I'm Morgan Robbins, at Mother on Twitter, designer for Level Up, Advanced 5th Edition, Mythic Odysseys of Theros, writer for Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about how to survive a convention as a publisher. In the news, Wizards of the Coast expands on what to expect from the 2024 D&D Core Rulebook update, new product announcements from Modifius, Free League, Paizo Partners, and Indie Publishers, controversy in the Battletech Reddit community, and more, plus a new listener question and a brand new sketch about a tomb with a deadly semantic curse. This week on more Sunofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by the Garbin Street Iguana Clinic. With world-class veterinary consultants, Garbin Street Iguana Clinic is by far the best and most well-known iguana clinic in the 16 Duchies. In a recent survey, one out of one respondents were unable to recommend another iguana clinic. The Garbin Street Iguana Clinic. For all your iguana medical needs. Iguanas only. Other reptiles need not apply. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, Russ as ever. It is a delight to be here. And joining us once more, we have the one, the only, it's she who may not be named, except possibly by herself or by other people. It is... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. One intro, intro, thank you. I feel like an eldritch horror. Hmm. Yeah. It's most days in fan. I'm just kind of speechless and gobsmacked out of that. Um, <laughs> shall we get on with some news? Or do we sure. have an additional question? I believe, Peter, you mentioned there was a listener question. But we I... had so many listener questions last week, live. We did. We did. Awesome. We had multiple listener questions mm-hmm. last week, live. Yes, we answered them in excruciating detail. Hmm. Uh, this week's listener's question comes to me orally, as they say. And it is... <laughs> okay. It means well, you years. said that. Just... It means I know. three years, Jess Hancock. Take orally, your... doesn't it mean from the, no, someone's mouth? No, mouth. Orally is through the years. Okay. Which one? Two Which... different things. Sure. Uh, uh, hourly, which is pronounced orally. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I never listened to Peter Coffey on, uh, on on matters of pronunciation. It came out of someone's mouth, so it would technically be oral as well. Okay, what, what's the question before we just get too derailed on uh, on this? The question was, our listener question, which comes from uh, Jess Zed, is how many kobolds can you carry on a ladder? Mm. My first question is, how big is the ladder? Well, I mean, that's up to you to set the premise. Well, then, like, okay. if, it, if it's a, a, a tiny step ladder, then, like, two. Mm-hmm. Maybe three. Depends how tiny, I suppose. I was thinking if it's just... like a doll's house size step ladder, then... then maybe one, then, wearing yeah. it as a hat. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you had the step ladder, or if it was a ladder ladder, and it was mm. horizontal, you could have cobalt on top of it, yes. and you could have cobalt hanging off the bottom of it. I think yes, that would be so. a health and safety breach, though. Yeah. Do kobolds tend to care about health and safety regulations? Well, I mean, they oh are goodness, infamous trap no. makers. Someone, <laughs> someone should care about their health and safety. Absolutely. 
Like, you know, that's the role of government, to look after people's well, health and safety when they won't look after it for themselves. So, someone might, but I don't think they care about their own health and safety, let alone anyone else's. Truly, a lot of great people like that. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. But anyway, all right, let's say 10-foot ladder. I don't know why I'm even doing this. 10-foot ladder. Mm. Um, I reckon you could get a cobalt per foot. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so 20. 10 on top, 10 hanging off the bottom. I, I feel that this implies that cobalts have no mass, which may interfere with your calculations. Why do they have to have no mass? Well, because 20... Like, say a cobalt weighs, like, I don't know, 45 pounds. That's mm. like, I don't know. That's still about 20 kilos in... So you get a nice adamantine ladder and put it between two rocks. Yeah, but you're not carrying a cables on a ladder, then. No. Sure. They're on the ladder. I didn't think this would be the question that caused so much um, <laughs> discussion. <laughs> I mean... Well, I would say that I've got a strength of, like, strength of the fire of maybe 12, maybe 14. I do tend to be bigger, so that does help. Uh, let's say a ladder has bulk one, because it's awkward to carry. And a cobalt is probably around about bulk two, because, like, I don't know, they're a creature and therefore a bit squirmy. So <laughs> that would be a total of three bulk. Uh, so that would be a total of five bulk. So. Well, uh, well the question is how many. Ah, the question is how many can you carry on a ladder as opposed to. So it depends on who's answering the question then. Yeah, yeah. As if you were a hill giant. Yeah. Uh, okay. You could probably yeah. carry, like, a load, because you'd have. I mean, are hill giants large or huge? I mean, they're quite small giants. They're definitely taller than me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think their size large, but that does uh, increase their bulk capacity. So uh, they've got what probably like strength eighteen, twenty, something like that. So mm. another thing you just how many hill giants? Because hill it would probably be like eight, nine. So so that's uh, a hill giant could definitely carry four cobalts on a ladder, but that's four. But Peter, yeah. you did say cobalts are bulk too because they're creatures and squirmy. The question did not define whether Small the cobalt creatures. had to be dead or alive. So oh, if it was a dead cobalt, would it be bulk one? Ah, oh, but then you're looking like, oh, I don't know, actually. I think cobalts do weigh over 40 pounds. Okay. Oh, you know what? They don't I, exceed four foot in length. I think we should move on. Okay, yeah. Somewhere this between... Fascinating, this fascinating topic so is we not would going say to be solved by us. Between one and 20. Somewhere in that yeah. range is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Thank Somewhere you between your... zero and infinity. It is definitely yeah. in that range. I'm going to say I'm going to say between. And I'm going to go 20. 10 on top, 10 on the bottom. Wedge the ladder between two objects. I consider that being carried. Yeah. I, I think it would be... I, I could probably deadlift two cobalt on a ladder, but they would have to agree to be widely spaced apart. So assuming assuming sufficiently... Oh, we're still talking cobalt, about it. Okay. I could do we're two. still talking about it. I, I can deadlift <laughs> I, my answer. I can deadlift 120 kilograms. So what is that in cobalt? Oh. How, uh, was that 120 kilograms, did you say? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's about two hundred forty pounds. So you're looking at about six cobalt. Okay. Ah, oh, that's less than I thought. You, you haven't counted the ladder. I also I couldn't hold that for a was... very long time. Well, that is like picking it up and putting it back down again. I mean, if you're doing like some sort of farmer, uh, I mean, to, to carry does imply a length of time. Yeah, we're looking at some sort of farmer's carry, maybe, or like you're just a, a... you did a farmer's walk with a load of cobalt. Yeah, yeah. How um, long do you have to hold it? For yeah, it to be this matters. Oh, I, yeah. I think at least a minute. Yeah, yeah. A, minute? Blow a minute? Blow a minute, you just picked it up and put it down again. Well, I mean, we've got your lifting capacity. Well, then I can't do 120. I can't hold that for But then again, if I carry this mug into the kitchen, it takes me less than a minute, and I wouldn't say I didn't carry it. Oh, yeah, but the mug has negligible bulk, so... Well, yeah, but I was I mean, thinking about how this kit. Carry, so. You're not taking this question at all seriously, Russ. I'm, I'm taking it very seriously. Excellent. I'll have you know. Nice. 
Okay, so do you have any any news for the week for us? I hope so. Oh, <laughs> I was going to talk about cobalt <laughs> the next two hours. Well, Instead I, I of cobalt, how about we move on to something that definitely, probably couldn't fit on a stepladder, which is a dragon. What a good segue. Uh, That's natural. Depends on how old the dragon is and how big the stepladder is. Oh. I mean, even a wormling <laughs> is going to have difficulty climbing a ladder. Yeah, but what if it's a storm giant stepladder? So this week, Dungeons & Dragons uh, (laughs) announced some news about the 2024 5th edition core rulebooks, as they are being called. So as we mentioned before, they have have, um, dropped the one D&D kind of branding marketing thing, because everyone hated it. (laughs) That's the summary. That's not why they've dropped it. They've dropped it because... Okay. Everybody thinks everybody thinks it's a new edition, and they've realised. This is my opinion. They've realised that they've got a slight problem on their hands. That a lot of people are viewing this as a new edition, That's and now they're just reiterating over and over and over again that this is just a revision of the original core rule books. You know that is very uh, much what this news item I'm going to tell you yeah. about is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, as the post released a video, and I had Todd Kendrick and Jeremy Crawford there, and um, the video is titled "What Are the 2024 Fifth Edition Core Rule Books?" question mark mm. and the video was very much like it's not a new edition they're still going to be fifth edition <coughs> it's not a new edition and they said Sorry, so the idea yeah yeah it, it, oh my god it is like anyway mm-hmm. uh so the new rule book includes the best material for the 2014 release it's got new material and they've redefined refined old one which we've seen from the old unearthed arcana playtests so the idea mm. is that they're refining it but they're very adamant it's not kind of a new edition. Yeah, and they talked about how internally they never referred to it as one D and D before anyway. They always they always referred to it as the twenty fourteen and twenty twenty four publication. So as Russ said, they're very much moving away from that. Um but yeah, and we've got more playtests coming out soon, so we're gonna see that more in detail. But this is very much a broad overview and very much being clear that this is very much still fifth edition. That's my summary. I don't know. Do you two of you have anything I, else to add? I think to it's that? just a video where they just put a video out. They just said the same thing again. Yeah, they need to keep saying it. I mean, it's not anything new, is it? I didn't watch it in detail. I skipped through <laughs> just yeah. to check, but yeah. it was all very much that vibe. But if you mm. would like to watch the video, there's a link on emworld.org on the News Digest, so you can yeah. watch the whole thing. I think for yourself. what we're going to see is just them saying that over and over again for the next year. And that's fair enough. I will hold my fire until I have seen said video. I guess that title's a very Googleable thing, so I'm guessing that's for when people search for it. Yeah, the comes yeah, up. yeah. I, I, I think probably they. Yeah, I, I think basically they didn't really expect people to think it was a new edition. And when it turns out that quite a lot of people do think so, and there's little yeah. surveys we've done indicates that quite a high percentage of people do. It's so I did, the, I did split, one on Ian World, which was 40%. I did one on Twitter, 70% of people said they thought it was a new edition. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, this is a message that they have to work really, really hard to get across because right now it's clearly not. It's got a whole different name, so... Yeah. Well, there we go. So we won't be seeing any more 1D&D about the place. No, no. I've got to get out of the habit of saying that, because I'm just completely in the habit of like news articles, writing about it, talking about it, calling it 1D&D. I think for things says the 2024 5th edition rule books, which isn't as catchy. It's a mouthful, though, isn't it? Yeah. But that's how they've referred to it in that's, the video. That's, that's why it's going to end up being called 6th edition or 5.5e, because it's more catchy and easier to say. I mean, well, we've done a whole podcast episode on this, haven't we? I will hold my judgment upon the revision books until 
if and when I get a chance to read them. I've got a lot of yeah. reading next year. I got Thirteenth Age Second Edition coming out. Yeah. I've got Tales of the Valiant coming out. I've got Cubicle Sevens D Twenty coming out. There, and that's on top of all the other games which yeah. are not basically D and D. And also stuff that we don't know about yet. Yeah. No doubt will be announced and will come out. But they did say a couple of things in that video. Yeah. I do, I do like some. Like yeah. It wasn't literally just that. So they did say a couple of things. One is that um, a lot of the experimental stuff they're doing, which is kind of the stuff that's kind of making people talk new edition because it's kind of a bit different to what they've done before. But these yeah. are admittedly playtest um, and other kinds. They said there's only only up as far as the end of the monk playtest, which is upcoming, mm. will that experimental stuff be happening. After that, they go to a new phase. And it's not all brand new experimental stuff. It's going to be more just refinements and tweaks. So it looks like we've seen the biggest change type stuff yeah. that we're going to see from what they say. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing really, like, you know, apart from like rearranging the deck chairs on the classes, is that mm. they're insisting that a feat is now part of a background. Mm. And the reason they're doing that is in fairness, because one, it does plug a lot of holes that were in the original mm. rules set. And two, because it adds some variety to the characters. So that's the, and a lot of people were just doing that anyway, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you, starting yeah. with a few, weren't they? Well, yeah, because it's like the problem. The problem is very clearly lack of variety in characters. So yeah, they've got to come yeah. up with a way to address that. Because once mm. you, because if they're saying it's basically it's the same game, then mm. you played one L fighter, you can play another L fighter, I guess. But it's just going to feel quite yeah, the yeah. same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, there was one other thing they said. Mm. So subclasses. Yes. So, you know, they're sort of moving... They, they did two different things with the subclasses. One was they yeah. moved them all to level three. Yes. And the other was that they standardised the progression throughout the class, throughout the various classes in, in the playtest doc- documents, that is. Okay. Um, oh, like what, which levels you get the subclasses. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so what the feedback they've gotten, apparently, is that people liked mm. the starting at level three stuff. Fair. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the standardised progression. Yeah, yeah. why... Did, why... Well, I don't reasoning? actually know why, to be honest, because I don't, it's, it's, it's a thing that I literally find it hard to hold an opinion on, which levels yeah. they get. Yeah, it's like, okay, level three, level five, level four, who cares? Yeah. But um, I, but apparently people didn't like that, so they're going to drop that, but they are keeping the level three thing. I guess okay. it's like, maybe it makes it harder to GM if people get all new abilities at the same time. Yeah, maybe. Because subclasses do tend to have more options and more stuff. But yeah, I suppose. I, I, I don't really know. I don't, there's no real game design reason, as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's I, I how, it, how it feels. You don't feel like your class is special or different because you come to session with a level up. And I remember yeah, when when I was first playing D anD D, I mm. would after we leveled up, I'd because I, I didn't know all the classes. Um, yes. So I come to the table, I'd be like, "Oh, what things did you get this level?" Because I didn't know, and different people mm. had different things to say. Whereas if mm. it's more standardized, then I know everybody's getting, mm. you know, mm. a thing. I mean, but, but you still would get to say, "What have you got?" Because if you don't know the classes, then you don't know what they've chosen, and I don't know. Yeah. Mm. That's why I asked. It, I was like, "Oh, why?" Because I'm sure there's a legitimate reason people have that opinion. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there is, but I don't know what it is. If you know, check us over an answer from yeah. one of our various media's because we'd love to know. It's yeah. not something that we can really get. I mean, it's not a problem. We're not against it, but we're not pro it either. So we just don't have any. Yeah, I just don't have any kind of feeling or opinion on it. Uh, just... I should say to the listeners, I'm throwing my hands up in the air on a frequent basis because I'm like, oh, 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 oh. yes, they are. Yeah. Hey. Um, so, so anyway, anyway. 
Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to say, so, since we were talking about, uh, a few seconds ago, we were talking about all the other stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Tales of the Valiant, as we know, is on Kickstarter right now. Halfway through its um, 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 thing. How much has it got now? Funding cycle. Campaign. I was just going to say, do you want to guess? Make a guess what it's at at the moment. Mm. Dollars. Go with dollars, just so we're I standardizing. Have, I don't know if I'm cheating because I have a rough idea because I saw an article on it like a few days ago. So I think I'll be cheating. Nice. Uh, so, Peter, do you bro- want to guess? No, there's, no, there's no prize, Jess. Had what? it, broke, had it broken mm. a million? I know it's over half a million. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Over half a million. Yes. Well, okay. Which is technically correct. I think. Uh, I think probably the eight hundred thousands. Basically eight hundred and ninety two thousand. So just coming up to yeah. nine hundred thousand. Peter wins. What's that prize? Yeah. What's yeah. Oh, price? yeah. It's obviously going to hit the million. It's not going to hit two million. It's, it's, it's same, definitely going to hit the million. It's the same price we always get. It's a smug sense of self satisfaction. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd mention it just because I'm waiting for it to hit a million. Yeah, that kind of it will do. I reckon this do. time next week they'll have hit a mill. I reckon maybe it slowed right down because it's right yeah. in the middle of the campaign and it always does then. Yeah, but yeah. it'll pick up the again. The end will go. Yeah, I mean it's still it'll still be going steadily because like it's a decent one. I haven't seen that many people frothing about it excitedly. No, it's not mutual. got a massive amount of buzz. I mean, it's got. Nearly a million dollars funding, so obviously yeah, there is buzz. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not. It's not. I think my radar, especially. I think the it's. I'm seeing a lot of advertising on my social yeah, media, I'm so ads, I'm getting yeah. a lot of the ads for it. So they yeah. are marketing it well. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if some of the OGL because I think this is very much born out of OGL fury. Yeah. And it was seemed mm-hmm. like a very much like a rebellion, like ah, we're gonna suck it to the big guys. Kind yeah. Of and and the OGL fury seems to have abated somewhat. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. know. But, I mean, it's clearly working. Like, lots of people are excited for it. And yeah. I mm. think more, you know, alternative options for 5e and the Muppets are a good thing, ultimately. So. The, the, mm. the Discord goes bananas occasionally, but it's just like, mm. can't quite be bothered looking. I'm like, yeah. what, what I, don't, I don't know if I'm not in that hype because I'm not a backer and I don't think I'm going to pick it up. Not because there's anything wrong with it, yeah. but I just... I, I've got so many systems to play. I'm not very mm. often playing. I've never run 5e. I'm going to yeah. run some level up stuff. Um, but I've got all these other systems I want to try. So I'm like, well, yeah. I don't but, know if that's something I'm going to run to run. Mm. No. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I just, I enjoy playing different systems and trying stuff out. And my next thing that I'm going to try out is I want to get into solo mm. RPGs. And I have a few. Mm. I've dipped my toe in. And when I've played about three or four, I might come onto the podcast and evangelise to you about it and have an episode talk. Yeah. But I was like, I should probably play a few of them before I come on and talk that, about it. There's actually, yeah. actually one from, uh, if we remember, Cesar Capacli, uh, the gentleman from the Global South that we interviewed on this podcast, has done various things like Adira Nauts and uh, Starlight Riders, is bringing out a solo RPG that's all about journaling. Uh, it's called Nexalis, and it's on uh, the Crowdfunder website. There we go. There we yeah. go. Uh, I'm very. I'm supportive of the idea of solo solo yeah. RPGs and journaling RPGs, but I don't think it's something that I would ever get into myself. I don't think yeah. this is very much what I thought. But when I realised I could record them and talk instead of writing, it mm-hmm. changed my attitude. Oh, I'm considering. I may or may not do this. Mm. Um, recording them and editing them into a video to kind of do as an actual play that we could use an Ian World Live to show them off, but I haven't decided if I'm doing that. 
Maybe. That but could yeah. be quite good, actually. Just because yeah. I think a lot of... Because mm. a lot of people get into RPGs where actual plays. Yes. Mm. And solo RPGs, it's mm. hard. You'd have to edit it a lot on visuals because you don't just want a person sat there <laughs> talking Chatting. at you. I suppose, yeah. I, suppose uh, I did play the Fighting Fantasy games and they're sort of solo RPGs. I, in I mean, they are very solo yeah, RPGs, yeah. I mean, I don't call them RPGs because there's no role-playing, but... I feel like it's know, an it evolution on, yeah. like, choose-your-own-adventure books that I played when I was younger. And I did enjoy them. You know, when you flick to go to page five if you chew this yeah. and you keep keep yeah. your thumb yeah. on it so you can go back in case you chose the wrong yeah. one. I, <laughs> I had an absolutely wild moment because I actually got to meet Mark Gascoigne, who wrote a lot of those books. And it was just yeah. like, got to shake his hand. I was like, really, it's actually surprisingly emotional for me. A UK uh, Games Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. over on um, of the, he was on the stand where they publish fiction for board games. Um, like, there's a whole. Sets of novels for Twilight Imperium. I had no sure. and Zombie Side well, and Terrible Mars. Well, yeah. official yeah. ones or fan yeah, fiction yeah, no, ones. Yeah, they, they have the they, they've got. If they're not official, they've got. The license, they've got yeah. If they don't have a license, right, they're in serious trouble because well, they have some co- some companies do allow fan fiction to exist. Yeah, yeah so. but they're using their trade dress. Like, then mm, right. it's got Twilight Imperium on the cover. If it's yeah. not official, sure. they're in trouble. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, a lot of games have a lot of law now. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Twilight Imperium has already had a fair amount of it, but this, yeah, I was quite tempted to pick some up. I might well do so. You know what? Anyway. Speaking of lore in games oh. and games oh, that are yeah. adapted into books, uh, there are also games that are being adapted into graphic novels, comic books, if you will. Yeah. So this week, Paizo announced a partnership um, with uh, Dynamite Comics for Pathfinder and Starfinder graphic novels. And the Kickstarter Ooh. is live right now, and they do print editions of... Um, Pathfinder Wake of the Dead, Starfinder Angels of the Drift, and Pathfinder Worldscape. Um, so yeah, so basically this gaming setting, there are graphic novels of the stories and things there. Oh, there you go. Wow. Well, good segue. I know, it was smooth. Flawless. Um, but yeah, so the Kickstarter's on right now. It does end on Monday the 12th of June, so if you're interested in Pathfinder or Starfinder and interested in the lore and the worlds. And uh, yeah, it looks looks like good. I had to scroll through. I'm not a huge graphic novel collector. I've only got like one or two series I collect, but if Pathfinder and Starfinder are your jam, they look really good. Yeah. All mine are real mainstream sort of DC type stuff, though. That's okay. Things, yeah, a lot yeah. of things are mainstream because a lot of people like them because they're good. Yeah, no, it just I kind of wish I was more into comics and graphic novels because the ones I do read, I do enjoy, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not enough in, in the weeds with it to know what to... I don't know. Anyway, that's another topic entirely. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. But anyway. It doesn't matter. But I have... I, I, I have Oh, sorry, Russ. I have a question for you. Yes. Okay, I would like to know whether you can guess how many tabletop RPGs you can fit on one sheet of paper. Ooh. This could be complete tabletop RPGs. I know. How big is a piece of paper? A4. Oh. Or US letter size. One of those two things. I know. Four... 448 square centimetres specific. I thought you were going to say 448 uh, gains, and I was like, I did would not (laughs) guess that. Um, no. I definitely know you can do there one. There is a world record. There is a world record. I definitely know there's one, because one-page RPGs are definitely a thing. So yeah, it's yeah, more than yeah. one. Peter, do you want to make a more refined guess than my one? I want to say eight, but I don't know if I'm inadvertently cheating. Because uh. eight is the number that springs to mind. Okay. Uh, if you are cheating, you are cheating badly, because that's wrong. Uh. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's only way to cheat. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Okay. So what is okay. Gonna che- if you're going to cheat, Peter, cheat well. Tell us, tell us <laughs> well, about the t- the truth of this matter. You're not far off. Okay. To be fair, is it the world six? record currently, as of now, is ten games. 
Uh, that's more than I would have. One A4 been... sheet of paper. I need that's more information. That's one side of one A4 sheet of paper, not uh, not both sides. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. One side. Um, so Andrew J. Young yep. has squeezed oh, ten games onto one letter-sized sheet. It's the new world record for the number of TTRPGs per square centimeter. Nice. Um, I mean, obviously the games are very small. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What font size? Yeah. Um, Two point. Yeah. They're all, they're, all, <laughs> they're all designed as one shots, designed to last under an hour. Yeah. It'll cost you a fiver, five, uh, no, five dollars to okay. buy the collection from itch, itch.io. Yeah. And there's also a, a dyslexic friendly version of, of it. Oh, nice. But should you wish to get that? I would. And yeah, so the 10 games are as follows. Yeah. Prepare for an exciting list of 10 games. Do you want, do you okay. want a drum roll? They are Fear and Loafing in Las Vegas. That's funny. Robocalypse Soon. I'm getting the theme. Yeah. There are 100 Zombies. Yeah, that's bad. How to Escape from Hell with Only Your Smartphone. That's useful to know. The Last Time Travellers. Sad. Hard Reset. Sometimes necessary. Tea Time at the Tower of Terror. Delicious. Hmm. These are my reviews of them, as by the way. Yes. Who gave the halflings a ray gun? Probably Russ. Fair. Hmm. Not sure why, but okay. Because you wrote the awfully <laughs> cheerful engine, which is a mashup of yeah. all these things. Yeah. Dino riders on the moon. That also sounds like something you might write. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, totally. And party animals. And they're all on one sheet of paper, and you can pick it up for five dollars. So these different. So, so these are like adventures. Are these using the same system, or is it system agnostic, or what? Um, no, they're each a different system. They're okay. each a different RPG. I okay. mean, they're not complex RPGs, Jess. They That's are. fine. <laughs> I mean, I like a rules example. light simple RPG. That's I'll give you favorite. an example because they have shown us uh, who gave the halflings a ray gun. Nice for free. Oh, that, thank you. So it reads as follows. So basically, it's in a space about the size of three postage stamps on the sheet. Three yep. postage. Oh my lord! It's, you know, each one of these is tiny. Um, so, the gathering must journey to Pyre Peak to destroy the evil Emerald Eye. Okay. But someone gave the halflings a ray gun before they left Riverwood. You are all halflings, and one of you has the ray gun at all times. The ray okay. gun can only be used once per scene, mm-hmm. but it guarantees success. Okay. Without the ray gun. Halflings play high or low against a face-down deck. If you win, your action succeeds. If not, it fails. Each scene requires four successes to pass. For every three failures, the Gathering of Nine loses one non-Halfling member. Travel with the Gathering on the quest and play out these scenes. Demon in the Dark Dungeons, Meeting the Magical Matron, War on the Wide Wall, Arrival via Arachnid Valley, Finishing the Final Fight, and Upon Pyre Peak. Right. So it sounds like it's that is the game. it's really Lord similar to this like fifth edition mechanically then by the sounds of that. Mm. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah. Or maybe three point yeah, five yeah. actually. It sounds, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, it's a rules heavy kind of um, <laughs> yeah. I was going to pathfinder a little bit. Yeah. That sounds really yeah. interesting, and uh, yeah. I I like the idea, and I like the yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're all they're all basically like that. For five dollars, sounds Why good. Not? Why not? Just a bit of fun, something to do. Something you could sort of play in the car, or maybe not that one because you need a card deck, but some of them maybe you could just play in the car or something. That's true. Yeah. Uh, where's the link for that? Is that on the EM Worlds? Can I pick yes. that up? All right, I'll grab that off there. For, for it is, well, there's a link to it for EM yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I can see the article there. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in weird and quirky games, uh, I, I must say River Y 
from hivemindgames.co.uk mm-hmm. um, very much caught my eye. It's uh, essentially a TTRPG zine which has two and a half games designed to play using weird medieval marginalia. Uh, and certainly if you're a fan of Knights on Snails or Knights Fighting Snails and other such weirdness. And who from... isn't a fan of Knights on Snails? Well, I don't know. I haven't uh, met I'm anybody. Sure. I am the founding member of the Knights on Snails fan club, you know. Really? Oh, we should. I'm also the only member of the Knights on Snails fan club, that which would... has existed for approximately seven seconds. That would explain a lot. Would you like to join? No. Yeah, go on then. I'll be That's the, the secretary. binding contract to cost you a thousand pounds. Okay. I'll uh, I'll owe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got uh, Peter yeah. signed up for a lot of free writing work based off that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's like. It's sort of like a Cards Against Humanity, but with weird medieval marginalia and strange quotes from uh, medieval texts. So, mm. and you put them together and um, just, I don't know, it just looks fun. And it was very pretty, mm. so I, I picked it up. Is that mm. something you got at UK Games Expo, yeah? It somehow got at UK Games Expo. Well, to link that conversation, I also got, I bought one game at UK Games Expo because I was on the stand most of the time. Um, uh, but I got. Um, Xylite, Zy- a solo zombie survival game. Because I'm running a zombie survival horror game at the moment, so I'm kind of in that vibe. And this is a solo game that, as, as I said earlier, I wanted to pick out and play. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go through it yet, but it's. Yep. It looks oh. interesting. Rush, you like sci fi, don't you? It has been rumoured, but I can neither confirm nor deny those rumours. Well, I did get a copy of Breaking Infinity, which is a role playing game. Designed to support the Breaking Infinity movie, which is roving around cinemas in the UK. I don't know a lot about it, but the things I know might amuse you, which is one, it was at UK Games Expo being uh, given away for free by the chap who uh, wrote it. Really? And two, Mm. he had 5,000 copies to give away. Wow. Lord. Yeah, I'm like... There was, what, about 32,000 unique attendees? Mm-hmm. So 5,000 copies, that requires about you one... You just had to wander up to his stand and just get one. Uh, like, people were like... Why did no one tell me this? I'd have got one. Oh, well, you can have my copy, but... <laughs> uh, I, I always told you, but um, I got distracted. Um, but yeah, no, I, thought, I thought you'd find it uh, amusing. What, what was that game that Jess, other Jess, picked up? That was Battlestar Galactica? Uh, like the last command that is from yeah. a Marta Games by Josh Fox. Yeah, I had a yeah. quick flick through it and it looked really cool. I I mean it's a beautiful book. I really like the production value of it. It's really mm. solid. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. It, it, I'm not sure if it's the sort of game I personally can run because it revolves a lot around interpersonal conflict. Another role playing game that I think won the award or was definitely nominated for it was the role playing game Be a Crow. Be a Crow. Yeah. It's exactly what you think it is. One I get to be a crow? Yes. And I went to the stand to go pick up a copy because I'd, yeah. I'd been nominated and I was like, I would like to be oh, a crow. Oh, the UK Games Expo Awards. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I was like, I would like to go and uh, be a crow, please. Yes. And I went up and they had sold out completely. And oh. they were taking pre-orders so that they said they could ship So you are not Tuesday. a crow? No, not currently, but they let you pre-order on their website. So they have... You will be a crow. So I will be a crow. But you're not yet a crow. Correct. Okay. I want so to play. I'll do all the crow noises. Go on then. <coughs> hey, has anyone here watched Star Trek Lower Decks? Yes, it's very good. I'm surprised you've seen it. I haven't. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you know why? I, you know why I haven't? 
Yeah. Because you're unable to see animated Cartoons. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm surprised I see it. I haven't. Oh. Peter's <laughs> surprise gone. Yeah. <laughs> Balance restored. Let's go. However, However, despite the fact that I have not seen it, no. Rodriguez have seen fit to go ahead and release a source book for Star Trek Adventures based on Lower Decks. Yes. We, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. They announced it. Did we? We did. Yeah. Yes. But we have more it information this week, which I believe you're going to share Ooh. with us. Oh, well, they released like a preview, mm-hmm. yes. which has the table of content. Mm-hmm. Yes. I suppose I could quickly went through them. Chapter one is basically a galaxy guide. Um, it's set after Voyager, isn't it? I believe. Because Jane, is Janeway in it? Or is she in the other uh, country? It's set, uh, I'm pretty sure, after DS9. I don't know if Janeway's in it. She might get mentioned. I don't remember. She's, she's in one of the cartoons. There's another cartoon, Prodigy. I think she's in that one. Yeah, there's a Vajoran security officer in right. this. So people are people are shouting at us right now. They're yeah. shouting at the yeah. <laughs> you fool! How dare you? I'm sorry. I, I I I don't watch cartoons. I don't know what to tell you. Right, right. <laughs> um. So then we got uh, chapter two, which is just about what Starfleet officers do in that sort of setting. Uh, chapter three is about working on the lower decks of the starship. Uh, chapter four, uh, new science and technology. Chapter five is character creation and new equipment. Uh, chapter six is GM advice for running a lower decks campaign along with some sort of uh, plot hooks. Uh, chapter seven, a bunch of new starships. And chapter eight, a load of monsters and NPCs. Nice. And then it's an adventure right at the end. Uh, it's like a little campaign made of four adventures. Oh, cool. So if you if you do if you are able to see cartoons, which I am not, <laughs> if you are able to perceive and comprehend cartoons, um, you can pick it up for you can pre-order it for forty five pounds, and it's coming out in August in hardcover, but you get the PDF straight away. Yeah. Yes, cool. But presumably, I'd be able to read the book because the book isn't technically a cartoon, not a moving, so not a moving right. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So once they start moving, that's the problem. Yeah, can absolutely. I can I tell you something else that Paizo's doing? Sorry, let me okay. rephrase that. Let me tell you something else that Paizo's up to. Oh, okay. Yes, please continue. Yeah. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. I'm going to tell you something else that Paizo's up to. Um, so I mentioned there, there's a Kickstarter campaign that they are uh, doing with, Dynam- like, partnered with Dynamic Comics to do. They also partnered with another Kickstarter that's currently live, which is the mm. Ultimate Game Master Screen from Forged Gosh. Gaming. And this is a deluxe oh. modular GM screen. And everybody... Mm. Everybody's loving this. Um, mm-hmm. So the partnership basically means that the official Pathfinder and Starfinder rules packs has pre-printed rules references available as add-ons in it. So that's mm. their link. And it's seriously pretty. Um, like, I'll show you. Is it, I don't know if you've is seen it. Is it a wooden it. one? Uh, no, it, it is like oh. a faux leather. Um, mm. I put the link in there. Um, and it does look really good and really handy. And it, it folds up to almost look Ooh, like a tome with pouches on. Uh, it does look oh, okay. really nice. What's it? Magnets and stuff. Oh, that that folding into a, like a little book with some pouches on. Yes, it mm-hmm. does look quite good actually. So that is crowdfunding right now, and so you can you can get that also, and that's that's available for a little bit longer. I believe that's till yeah eighty nine dollars June twenty fourth. Yeah, it is it is pricey because it's, it's, it's made half a million on Kickstarter. So it's made half a million, I and and I I see why it costs that much because I look at it yeah, and yeah. I imagine that's been. Mm. Yeah, so I, I, it's one of those things I'm like, yeah, I see why it costs so much, but it does look really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't use GM screens, mm-hmm. so yeah, not such a useful auto buy for me. But yeah, I can see people mm. liking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Also, I've got some news that isn't really RPG related. Yeah, um, okay. Is it relevant it's, it's for this podcast? Oh, it's kind of it's gaming, right? Tabletop gaming related. Okay. Yeah, right. 
We'll allow it. So, have you heard about the recent Battletech kerfuffle? I have. No. Yeah, I found I out haven't. about it while I was at UK Games Expo last week. Mm-hmm. Oh. I knew I knew someone put a free... I remember his name. I think it's like Shoemaker or something. He put like a, a free collection of short stories, which were all like Pride-themed, uh, in the Battletech universe. So I was like, oh, mm. that's really nice one. Might mm. this be the reason why he felt the need to do this? Mm. Well, this um, is yeah. about the response to that. Yeah. So, so there's two things. So, like, they, there's been a tradition, as I understand it, of doing pride and trans colour scheme battle me- mechs? Mechs, yeah, mechs. Mechs, yeah, yeah. Mechs, yeah. Um, uh, and, and painting those and sharing, sharing those pictures online yeah. for a while. And what's kind of happened is that they've often, in the fan subreddit, they've often been quietly removed oh. by the people running the subreddit Rude. on the grounds that, I don't know, it's like politics or something, whatever the thing oh, is that people say. Yeah, that, I, I yeah. know the grounds. It's because they, 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 a rule they have in the forum is they can have no real world uh, politics or things like that. And they also, yeah. um, the reference point they have is if it is relevant in 1988 because of Battletech Universe things, uh, that mm. that's okay. Yeah. So they claim. Well we, we, yeah. well, we know there's two types of people in the world there's white, straight males and political. Yes, <laughs> the two types of people. So. I'm so worried what you're going to say. But yes, you're correct. Um, uh, yeah, say, so. well, well played, Miss Morrissey. Well played. Um, so, so that so that 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 has been going on for a while, but it's kind yeah. of low key and under the radar, yeah. and it didn't really get that much of a big um, backlash. But mm. then, of course, there was this big fiction anthology from actual published BattleTech authors, the BattleTech yes. Pride Anthology 2023, yeah. which is free uh, because on because itch. of the nature of it, it just yeah. couldn't really be ignored. And when that got removed oh. by the moderators of the subreddit, oh. it was kind of it was too big to be ignored. Wow, wow, wow! It, it, happened, move. it happened several times. Like loads of yeah. users of the Reddit forum were like posting about it, like, "Oh, hey, there's this battlelet thing because it's a battlelet mm. forum." And I, they were I all can't getting believe removed. no one's posted this already. This is great. I can yeah. be the first one to get all yeah, the karma. Yeah, I think a lot of that happened, <laughs> yeah. and then it was because I think things. Are, this has happened before, apparently, but it was. Not common enough that you could be like, well, it could have been removed for several reasons. Like, it's not mm. clear that it's because of that. Yeah. And, and it wasn't done with comment as well. It's just kind yes. of like quietly disappeared. So, yeah. unless you were looking for it, you wouldn't have known it was there and had been removed. Yes. There's no announcement or anything like that. Yes. Just, but yeah, the, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's happened is Catalyst Game Labs, who are the people who have the uh, Battletech license at the moment, mm-hmm. they. Have gone and created another subreddit, which is the now the brand new official BattleTech subreddit. Okay, right. Um, in response to this, okay. and said BattleTech is for everybody. Wrong. And so that that now exists, uh, but also well, that, actually, this is, this is bit, it doesn't now so that, exist. Well, yeah. But so we'll come back to the that. Um, original okay. fan one apparently yeah. Yeah. was still technically controlled by someone who hadn't been involved with it for ages. One of the founders, like a founder of the, uh, of, 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 hadn't been involved with it for ages yeah. and ages and ages. Um, and like a bunch of moderators were running it. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, they got wind of this and, um, they came back, booted all of those moderators. <laughs> <laughs> And made a post supporting the Battletech is for everyone uh, philosophy. So now the fan subreddit Reddit is back. Um, the uh, current original own creator of it has gone back and just taken control of it because he had the password. Yeah. So he could, basically. Has talked to Catalyst Game Labs and they're going to merge the two subreddits into, into one. 
Yeah, I think the idea is that Catalyst Game Labs are going to give them community guidelines that are, you know, inclusive. 21st so, century, yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. And the person, yeah, I think the person that originally founded the Battletech subreddit did it like 15 years ago because they're a bit yeah. of a fan, didn't intend mm. to build this community. It got really big. They left it to some yeah. moderators and then came back and they're yeah. like, oh, look, it's on fire. I should this have is happened and I still have the password. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were able to do that. And now, yeah, and now so Catalyst Game Labs is going to make it their official Battletech community for being online mm. and they're going to assist and have their community managers involved with helping run it and make it a place yeah. so stuff like this doesn't happen. Oh, mm. I, I haven't so, laughed quite that hard since I saw that like, yeah. um, like that little old Mexican man um, explaining that while Trump may have put a wall on the border, they still had both A, ladders, and B, airplanes. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear me, sorry. Yes, so... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so BattleTech community kind of just yeah had a little moment, and they were like, no, yeah, yeah, but it worked out in yeah. the end, which is good news. Yeah, yeah. Well, what other news do we have? Oh well, if we were talking like vaguely board gaming and of a okay. certain amount of war game to add to that, sure, a Kickstarter that has been brought to my attention is called Direct Effect Range and de- Range and Direction with Cold Shot. It's um. It's a very detailed system for what happens in D&D if you are to miss your target with a, with a ranged attack of a magical or non-magical nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I want to say very detailed. It's got like it's got a, a, a compass rose and a dice. It's got the critic, critic direction templates, direct effect cards, like called shot dice, which are a bit like those dice which let you say an object or a head or something, a, quote, ranger things, unquote, t-shirt. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, there's... I, I mean, personally, I don't feel a need for this product, but, I mean, that that someone has put a lot of a lot of work into this. If I actually... Okay. If I put this into the chat so you can have a look at it, mm-hmm. it's there. It is... Yeah, that, that, there's a lot going on. Um, mm. Like, they've got cards, direct effect cards. Yeah. Um, extra dice. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just a little bit amazed. And it goes into, if you like excessive amounts of detail, or you're mm. like, what happens if somebody misses? I want to make this really count. Or maybe even if the critical miss it, it could be worth your while. But I mean, I'm just, mm. I'm just like looking at going at as lot. It hasn't your interest yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find, I find the concept fascinating mm-hmm. that someone will do a Kickstarter on this. That's like really incredible. They've asked for ten thousand dollars. Okay. And uh, they've got about three thousand three thousand two hundred eighty five at the moment, so yeah. Mm. How long to um, go? So they've got about six six point eight K to go with twenty two days. So okay. it's so a not... lot it's lot ground. It's not impossible. No, 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 not impossible. Yeah, it might squeak in, yeah. Okay. Mm. Hey, you know um you know that cookbook from Wizards of the Coast, the D&D one. Hero's Feast or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was licensed, wasn't it? It wasn't, was it? Mm. It wasn't directly from them. But anyway. But, yeah, and they're doing a show about role. it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Critical Role have one too. A cooking oh, show? Yeah. The official cookbook of Critical Role is called Exquisite Exandria. Oh. That's a good name. And it's going to be produced by Random House. Penguin Random House. And it's basically a whole load of recipes basically that were either in the live stream or inspired by it. Um, 60 of them, in fact. Nice. So you have a choice of different cookbooks. It's coming out August 29th, around about the same time as the other one. So 
It's going to be cookbook, a cookbookathon. It's going to be you, well, you know. You could get both cookbooks everywhere you, just to have yeah. all the food. Hmm. Oh yes. Um. And it's Aconite Books with a Y. Sorry, just to bring up things. Uh, the Twilight Imperium books and so forth. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, 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 yeah, sorry, that I, I was just... really. Yeah, like yeah. I needed context. For I that. should probably have put some context in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's you were that? talking about that. Like, I was like, I don't think ago. they're bringing out the cookbook. <laughs> they're not bringing out the cookbook, but I, I just found it, and like it's all like. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> just, just to show the trade dress that they were using. So if they're infringing, they're doing. Well, well, your mind could just literally leap back to something forty-five minutes ago, Peter, and just assume everyone else's <laughs> has. <laughs> I think you'd just be able to form a conversation like a normal person. But okay. No. <laughs> Non-linear conversation. Anyway, is, I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring us back into the news. So we've oh, heard. Yes, yes, We've heard announcements from a lot of people this week. So we've heard things from Wizards of the Coast, Paizo, yeah. yeah. Modifius. Mm. So, of course, mm. Free League will also be doing a thing mm. because they're the, they the do, four do publishers that do things. Um, no one else does things. Anyway, Free League of Publishing have released a Corio, a Coriolis. I think that's how it's pronounced. Because I've Coriolis. Yeah, Coriolis, yeah. Wake of the Icons. So this is the fir- third and final chapter in the Mercy of Icons campaign. So this is the third part of that. Um, a kind of campaign that's coming out, uh, which I have here on my desk. It looks very pretty. Mm. Um, so it's all this is all like in space uh, kind of combat. So it's fleet movements or wars, and there's a big overarching intergalactic politics and warry things. I haven't run it yet, but I've I've flipped through and read. Um, but yeah, mm. the third part's here. You can get the PDF and drive through RPG for twenty dollars, one nineteen ninety nine, mm-hmm. and the hardcover you can get from Free League Store for like around. Uh, 20, you know, 35 US dollars and you get the mm. PDF for free included as well so so yeah hey let's, let's do a bit of self-promotion shall we because we've got a new Kickstarter coming soon yes 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 we have a Kickstarter for what's old is new yep and I think we, we definitely mentioned it on the show before haven't we probably more than once but it's soon now it's like in a couple of weeks yeah Kickstarter is going to arrive mm-hmm. and it's going to be a box set which introduces you to the what's old is new role playing game system which I originally published back in 2015, 16, something yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, as three big hardcover books, and this yeah. box set contains everything you need to play, mm. and it's awesome, and it's gorgeous, mm. and it looks really, really nice. And I, I cannot wait because what's always is my baby, so I cannot wait to get a hold of this in my hands. Have you got a picture of it? There are pictures of it. There are pictures of it. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure they're in a publicly accessible place. Though. Uh, okay, the enough. What's Sold is new. Uh, RP, uh, What's Sold is new website has the a little hero image. Oh yeah, there. if you go to um, WoinRPG.com. WoinRPG.com. I think there should be a big picture. Of, yeah, splash yeah. page picture. Yeah, there it is. There we go. Um, That's the box. Oh. And if if um okay. If you want to be notified when we launch, we'll put a link in as well because we've got a little mailing list one. The yeah, pre-launch yeah. page is coming. Yeah. Hopefully um, next week. Yeah, I love contains, that. Sorry, it's just bringing back memories. It's like it's got um, Xenomorph stuff all of Somerset's Landing. Yes. That's that was an absolute cracking cover. One of the first podcasts uh, we yeah. mentioned. It. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. really strong art. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not, that's not in this box set. No, but, no. Um, but the... So what this box set has hmm. is it's got a 60-page rule book, soft yep. cover rule book, about a third of which is monsters. There's mm-hmm. about 40-odd monsters and NPCs and foes and mm-hmm. allies and stuff in there. Um, and it's got three adventures, each of which is 20 pages each. Yeah. One of those is a sci-fi one. One is a modern horror one. Yeah. Yep. Without giving too much away. And one is a fantasy one. Oh, yeah. 
It has 18 pre-generated characters. And you think, why so many, Russ? Why are there so many pre-generated characters? Yes, That's Russ, because why? there are three sets. Yeah, three sets of pre-generated uh, characters, each of which is six characters, one for each genre, to be used with each of the three adventures. Although, because it's all compatible, yeah. if you really do want to put a wizard on that space station, or you really want to have sort of like I think you know, the, the A team arrive in a fantasy world, you can. Yeah, you can yeah. you, you can use whichever characters you want, but they are divided into three sets. Right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Finally, we got three poster maps, double-sided poster maps. Mm-hmm. On each of those, one side will depict a specific area in each of those three adventures. Yep. And the other side will be like a generic terrain for that genre. Yep. So again, modern sci-fi and um, fantasy. And finally, we've got tokens for the monsters and characters. Yep. And dice. Sweet. And that's what's in that box. Everything you need to play. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Coming to Kickstarter very soon. Yeah. So we wanted something just to introduce people to the system so you don't have to buy three big books. You can just... Three £50 books. Yeah, yeah. so you can yeah. just... Well, well technically, not. you don't have to buy three books. You only have to buy one because each oh. of them is standalone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can buy three. Yes. Um, you only have to buy one. Anyway. I mean, the, the, the old book, the OLD book, does have uh, some amazing, an amazing and extensive selection of uh, pole arms. Uh, for mm-hmm. those of us who wish to distinguish their glaives from their gris arms and their gla- gris arm glaives. That's almost in there as a joke. It's oh, sort of half I. joke and half not joke, but <laughs> I had to put it in. And, and I, I, I really do like the new book because of, um, in terms of like the world building potential, there's like a lot of random tables and a lot of very detailed stuff. And of course, uh, one of my favourite rules was the countdown rule. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And, and the countdown rule is in this box set as well. Yeah. Oh. Couldn't not include it. I, you, I, I, I do put that in a lot of my campaigns. Tell you what we have got in this box set is I've taken you know the uh, magic system in old yes yeah which is a spell point build your own spell on the fly system yes yeah it's a little complex with the three supernatural systems in the whole game mm, mm. it's the mo- it's the most complex one yeah um it's quite complex but in this ba- in this box set I've taken it streamlined it right down to a really simple system mm. so it's nowhere near as big and flexible as the as the one in the hypercover yeah but it still allows you to on the fly build a spell. And use it, and it's quite simple and easy and quick to use in the sort of version I've put in this box set. Okay, I'll definitely have to check that out because yeah, that was something I sort of like had yeah. difficulty with before. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't do all the things that you could in the main one. Because no. The main one obviously is much better. But on this one, so basically, what you'll do is your your character will choose a theme when you create your character. So it might be fire or insects or ice or whatever, and that's kind of what all your magic looks like and is expressed as. So anything you do will be expressed in that manner. And then simply, when you buy a, when you um, cast a spell, you make a magic attribute check against the difficulty of what you're trying to do, and you just spend um, power points on building the spells. You might just buy the range, or buy the duration, or buy the damage, or buy whatever effects you want to buy. And in, in the box set, there's only like 10 things you can select. Like in the yeah. core, there's hundreds. But there's like 10 things you can basically select. And that's quite a broad, still comes out to quite a broad swathe of things that you can do. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds really interesting. I look forward to yeah. reading it. Yeah. And that's, that's basically it. Yeah. That, oh, that's um, the I, news. Oh, sorry. Well, I, I'm sorry, I did have one little thing. This is actually a free download you can get. Uh, oh, I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's uh, Simplified Incumbrance, which you can use with Advanced Fifth Edition and other similar compatible games. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, you can download it from Drive Through RPG. Um, it builds off the bulk system to let you do things like bundle up weapons, which has mm-hmm. like a certain amount of granularity. Like, because I quite liked in the Borders Gate games, you could just basically fight a bunch of gnolls and then they had all these halberts and you could walk off with them. So, this mm-hmm. is like a quick way to do that at a tabletop 
where you're not bothered with counting pounds and so forth. Hmm. Um, uh, it's got like a little bit for carrying creatures and also from the black hack, there's like the concept of a usage die for ammunition, which is essentially rather than having to count each individual arrow, which quite frankly, not many people, including me, would be bothered to do. What you do is after a fight, you roll a dice, and if you roll a one or two, then that dice uh, reduces in size. Um, and if you get down to D4 and you roll a one or two on that, then you've run out. Hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so if you take that with level up spool, then you can get yourself a full D20 of arrows, but every additional bunch of arrows you get over that will... It's just a um, countdown system for ammo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, well... That is a really good way to put it. It is a countdown system for ammo, um, but you can't just have you can't just run out of ammo from full suddenly. But you can definitely mm. have arrow ammo detracting. And also, I then realised, wait, I can use this for um, magical ammunition. Mm-hmm. So things like like because my experience of getting magical arrows in games has been very negative. I haven't enjoyed okay. it because I'd have to count them all. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, I'd feel like I'd be freer to use them. Oh, of course, with level up, you can buy arrows, but this works for games where you don't buy arrows. It just it just gives them a bit of longativity or longativity, which you don't normally get. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, it's pretty cool. And it's got the longevity. You mean? Yes, that's the word. Uh, I've only ever seen it written down, so I don't know how to pronounce it. I like uh, longativity, though. It's a good yeah. word. Yeah, we're going to uh, use that from now on instead of longevity. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got I got the costs for like. Just buying a bunch of them to increase it from the base. So yeah, it's mm. it's nice. It's, it's not it's not very much, uh, but it's just my way of saying like yeah, it's free. free to people. Yes, is it, it on, is free, is it which on, is a very hard price to beat. Drive through RPG. Oh, there you go. So if you look under the level up rule system on Drive through RPG yeah. and organize it by price, it'll appear there for free. You're talking about sort of thing, you know. So you yeah. know, there's like uh, level up, and there's Towers of the Valiant, and yeah. there's Cubicle Seventy Twenty, yes. and probably other things that will be emerging over the next year. I will yes. not be surprised. Yes, I remember yes. our podcast um, episode from so, a few weeks ago where we discussed um, such things. The columns <laughs> editor, <laughs> yes, of uh, Ian World, which is Mike Tresker. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah. or Talian, as sort of Talian, yeah. as he goes by. Um, he's, he's coined a, a terminology for this, and I don't know whether it will stick or it will catch on, no, but I just thought I'd tell you what it is. So, it's basically sort of OGL free 5e content, is what this is about. OGL free 5e. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Well, oh. but it's, but the term that he's, he's calling it is 5ec, 5e content, basically. As the, uh, I don't know whether this will catch on or not, as a shorthand category for original RPGs that are 5e compatible, basically. 5ec. Okay. Five EC. I don't know if it'll catch on. Or I, not, I I I don't know why, but I hate that. I, <laughs> something, I don't know why. It just feels harsh. I I, I it's just my instinct of emotional action. I don't know why. I've got no logical thing, but I'm like I hear it. I go. Ugh. Is it because you're used to O five E and A five E, and the letter is coming after the five E? Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. I'm just like oh no. You could call it A5E and call it Alternative 5E, but we've already got A5E. We already yeah, yeah. do have a quite yeah. a good A5E in place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, Michael, if you're listening. I do apologise. Uh, I don't I, have I such a strong reaction to it. No, 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 that's, fair, no. that's fair, that's fair, that's fair, yeah. No, no. My, my reaction to it is kind of in the same emotional depth <laughs> as my reaction to... <laughs> subclasses, yeah. Ha- to subclasses, yeah, yeah, subclass yeah. advancement levels. It's like, I don't care. Oh, well. Amen. All right. Right, anyway, I think we are done with the news. Yeah. Ah, the lost doom of the contronyms. We are here at last. Now, nah, we must survive the challenges free. 
The three traps set upon this crypt are deadly indeed. Many have fallen trying to uncover the mysteries within. But we shall proceed irregardless. Regardless. What? Irregardless is not a word. You mean regardless. Um, it is a word. It is not. Um, it's two. Quiet. We are at the first trap. The Isle of Blaze. An isle? Yeah, an isle. But this tomb is landlocked. What are you talking about, wizard? Speak of an island, yet we stand here in a desert tomb. An isle, like a passage or a corridor. Oh, well, that could have been clearer. Okay, um, well, I'm going in. Do not make a sound. <sighs> well, that was a near miss. Oh, no. How badly are you hurt? N- no, I-, I just said it-, it was a miss. You said it was a mere miss. It was nearly a miss. Surely it's a hit. No, um, it's a miss that was nearly a hit. But wouldn't that be a near hit? What? No, look, look at the smeller. We've made it past the first challenge. Yeah, you two, stop bickering. The next challenge is one of intellectual prowess. Wizard, are you down for it? Is that the same as being up for it? Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose so. God, an up, down, it, does, it doesn't matter. Just get on with it. Okay, very well, very well. well this is clearly a cipher or a code. The, the engravings are hard to see. Uh, Rogue, could you carefully dust the inscription? Very well, I have some dust here. Wait, wait, what, what are you doing? Dusting it. A light sprinkling should do the trick. No, 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 I meant remove the dust. Dust it, like a mantelpiece. Oh, I, I thought you meant like a cake. No wonder nobody has managed to enter the tomb in seven millennia. <sighs> right, okay, I see the wounds clearly. Now, now, fighter, stand guard while I ponder. I may be a while. Overlook the valley below. Overlook it? It's blimmin' hard to miss, mate. What? I mean, I could overlook a minor detail or ignore a mild transgression, but an entire valley seems excessive. No, overlook it. Stand on that ridge and view it. Ah, yes, the ridge which overlooks the valley. What are you flipping safe? You look, let's just leave the wizard in peace to crack the code, and we can join the remaining followers outside for a while. Yeah, we lost many during your long voyage here. Who's left? Uh, well, the cook, torchbearer, the spear caddy, and the milliner are still here. No, I asked who's left. I just, I just told you. No, you told me who was still here. I asked who left. Um, well, that's everybody except the cook, the torchbearer, the spear caddy, and the milliner. You know, there's something strange about this place. What was it called again? Lost Tomb of the Contronyms. There's that word. Tomb? Contronym. Yeah, I mean, what, what does that even mean? I assumed that the Contronyms were an ancient civilization, as what built this accursed place. Is, and is that the same as cursed? Is what the same as cursed? Accursed. Well, I suppose so. I've done it! The second challenge is behind us. It was ultimately a transparent quandary. No, it was invisible. No, no, it was obvious. Those contronyms certainly accursed this place, I can tell you. We can't stop bickering. Indeed, there is something in the air. Now, now, the third challenge. Right. First was a test of dexterity, which our rogue overcame with great agility and cunning. Second was a feat of intellect, which our wizard defeated with the power of thought. Now, we have a test of strength. Oh, this is your department, friend fighter. Time to put those muscles to the test. Very well. I'll need you both as backup, just in case. Oh, very well. Wait, where are you going? 
Oh, we're, we're backing up, like you said. No, I need you to back me up. Come on, you back yourself up. No, just just walk backwards. I mean, it's easy. Oh, for goodness sake. No, I need backup. Back me up. Add your strength to mine. Ah. Oh. <sighs> All right, here goes. I must turn this wheel. I've got it. What have you got? Contronyms. It just came to me. It's what is now the time. The, the contronyms, a lost empire, a secret cult, a, a travelling band of pluggy bards. Hmm, that would make a good band name. Eric and the contronyms. Nice, I like it. But no, no, a contronym is an antagonym or an auto-antonym. Yeah, well, that's that's clear then. Got it. The way is clear, my friends. The lost tomb of the contronym stands open. You know, an antilogy or an enantiodym. I, I, I really don't. Look, friend, contronym or no contronym, we have done what nobody before us ever has. We have passed the challenges free and gained access to the lost tomb. The secrets within are ours. Words which mean the opposite of themselves. Well, that makes no sense at all. Exactly. No wonder we've been so confused this past day. Damn this accursed place. Cursed. Actually, that's not a contronym. That's just two words which mean the same thing. Oh, like flammable and inflammable. Uh, exactly. Oh, regardless and irregardless. But irregardless isn't a real word. It is. It's not. It is. Look, let's refrain. Well, if you insist, irregardless isn't a real word. It is. It's not. It is. Ah, I see the curse of the contronym strikes again. By refrain, I meant to hold back, as in, please refrain from smoking pipeweed. Ah, oh, yeah, we thought you meant refrain as in a repeat or chorus. Those darn contronyms. No, no, as I was saying, a contronym isn't a person. It's a type of word. So not an ancient magical order of treasure hunters. Or an alien civilization. What has left hidden wonders deep beneath the earth. No, no, it's a word with multiple meanings which are the reverse of one another. Well, at least we learned something today. Okay, now uh, about this treasure? Yes. Here we are at the lost tomb of the uh, you-know-who, and we're having a grammar lesson. Well, that's part of the curse. Anyone who attempts to infiltrate the tomb is compelled to argue endlessly about semantics and definitions. So cunning. What theme? I'm so in awe of these diabolical mechanisms that my brain is literally exploding. What did you say? Yeah, I heard it too. Well, what did I say? Literally. The very pinnacle of contronym. It is guaranteed to ignite the fire and anger of grammarists everywhere. No, it seems I succumbed. There is no taking it back. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm going to literally kill you. Literally as in? Yes. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right, don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
Ah, as is tradition on Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. We have traditions. Oh, yes, yes. You see, when we look upon our list of topics and say, oh dear, what shall we talk about? Then it falls to me, Peter Garfield, to come up with something different, off the wall, special. And for this one, uh, we thought perhaps we could talk about the game publisher's guide to surviving at a convention. For instance, you have both just been at UK Games Expo, and rather than look at things from the point of view of a con-goer, of which there are many different uh, podcasts and other material giving advice. I guess the thing is... Keep behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Has indie publishers... Keep behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. What what, what are the things like? that an indie publisher yeah. should bear in mind when they are going to attend their first or maybe even their hundredth convention? Comfy shoes is number one. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> well, I, I think, in fairness, I'm going to start to say, I think you've done a podcast episode talking about, as a convention goer, what you need mm-hmm. to do even as a publisher. And a lot of those things will carry over. So mm. I think you would say to anyone going to a convention, yeah. wear comfy shoes you can wear all day. And it's yeah. the same for a publisher and things like that. Yeah. Make sure you have a shower. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, soap and so forth. But I think there's even, a special... Even if, even if you're an Airbnb with a rubbish shower. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, the shade has already been bought up. But between, one rubbish hour between six people. Well, if you've got people coming to your stand, then yeah. having like a little mat or something for they for them to stand on, because these things are often in like aircraft hangers. Uh, this is vital. Places. This is so vital. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say not just for the people visiting. Yeah. But if you're standing on a stand. Yeah, yeah. For hours a day, and you're not standing on something soft. Yeah. yeah. You are going to regret that. Well, if, if you've got your mates coming along to help you out, they will thank you. They won't know to thank you, but they yeah. should thank you. Mm. Or they would know if their backs didn't hurt so much yeah. from standing on solid so, stuff. So yeah. one of the things, exactly, is comfy shoes and also a comfy flooring space. Even if it's just yeah. like one of uh, a little mat or a rug that you put when you stand by in the till. Because standing still on your feet all day hurts more than walking around. But I'm gonna I'm gonna structure mm. this a little bit because there's different parts yeah. to to organizing it that you might not think of and when you do okay. a big event it gets more complicated and you're trying to organize mm. people which is terrible because humans are terrible mm. but there right. is the pre-logistics planning of how, how are you physically getting the stuff you need from wherever it is mm. to where you're going you have the mm. build so setting up your yeah. stand yeah you have during the stand so how are you actually setting it up and laying it out so it's attractive to customers and and people um, mm-hmm. and then there's the teardown and how you're getting everything back and what you're doing yes. like that. So there's all these different things. Uh, wow, so, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So this is something that, that I volunteer to do for some reason and end up doing a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so in advance, it's like logistics of where you're staying. If it can be within walking distance, that's obviously the ideal, but then there's a cost, yeah. you know, kind of with that. Mm. And so uh, what I'd say, whatever convention you're going to, look it sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. Look through the rules of what you need to do for setup. Like at the NEC, mm. it's a big convention center. So there were there were like forms I had to register on, like put in the the cards for unloading. We had to book a specific unloading time slot. We yep. had to be wearing high vis jackets, uh, uh-huh. so we had to make sure we had those. Um, so there's loads of rules and things like that. So when you're sorting out your logistics, make sure you read all that. And all the yeah. stuff you need, I always print it out and put it on a clipboard so I have it to hand. And it's things like maps of where you go in. Because you might say, you need to unload at gate 1.7. And you're like, great, yeah. where is that? Um, mm. So having things like that printed out makes it a lot less stressful when you're driving in a yeah. hot car and you've got loads of stuff to carry. Yeah. Um, 
and logistics of the things you need you know well it really depends on what you're doing with it obviously you're going to need your stock uh you're going to need any display items you're going to have like any signs saying how much things cost or signs Mm -hmm. telling people what it is so like first for level up stand we printed some out that said what is level up advanced fifth edition my suggestion for someone who wants to make a really really good business Mm -hmm. have a stand be a person who runs a stand and what you do is you just print stuff for people Mm -hmm. yeah and when people realize they don't have a sign to say this or they need a new sign to say that or they want to put something up saying 10 percent off or they realize they want a bit more information about this over there or they want a few leaflets to hand out or something it'd be really really useful Mm. if you could just go to a stand and just pay someone a bit of money to print some stuff out for you yeah we'd pay Mm. silly money to to do that because we i had to go over to the hotel and yes it was like it was a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah so obviously think about those things and this is stuff you're probably going to think about um so i won't go through that list of things but think about how you're displaying items one thing i will say is think about how you're taking money and you think of course i would think about this but if you're taking cash you're going to need to have a lockable box um or somewhere to put it and the logistics at the end of the day because you don't want to leave that on the stand and if you have teams of different people doing shifts how are you logistically going to take that away and put that back the next morning so it works if you're doing card payments what till system are you using are you going to have an internet connection are you going to have power if not do you need to bring Mm. power banks and just just how that all works do you have wi-fi exactly generally using a convention's wi-fi probably isn't a good idea because yeah. it's yeah. going to not be good it's go- there's going to be thousands of people using yeah. the same wi-fi and, wh- and if you're yeah. relying on that for payments mm-hmm. it's even worse yes. so we uh we went with um we had an ipad and bought some mobile data for it mm-hmm. and there was i think there was a 5g connection yeah. at the yeah. nec i can't remember uh that's that that's the solution we went with that but yeah. you can hotspot from your phone or whatever but you're gonna have to pro- probably provide your own data yeah connection. yeah yeah uh, so, yeah, so think about how you're going to do that. And um, often with stands at events, you have to pay for power and book it in advance. So mm. if you haven't done that, you'll need to have like power banks or something to charge it. Just so like the iPad or the phone you're using to take car payments doesn't die halfway through the day. As... And there's leads, obviously, as well, to make sure that you can charge everything. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things are using USB-C, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, and things to have during this. And then and now I'm going to go through some boring stuff that you need kind of for mm. setup that I always have, um, which uh-huh. sounds really boring, but is always so useful. And during the show, uh-huh. have some duct tape or black tape or something like that, because yeah. something uh-huh. will break or you'll have a wire that you want to stick down so people don't trip or over it. Or somebody might fall through one of your stand walls after tripping over the power thing. That's a thing that rusted. <laughs> oh, no. Someone might do something like that. So if you came oh, by our stand man. on Sunday at UK Games Expo and notice it was duct taped back up, that is why. But have have something mm. like that. Think about how you're going to affix things to your stand and what the rules are for that. So can you use yeah. white tack? Um, is it something that's not going to leave a mark so you don't get charged for it? Um, double-sided tape. And always take more than what you'll need. Bring yes. scissors or a standing knife and have many copies because ah. you will always need that. And if your neighbouring stand person has forgotten it, you will become their best friend as the person who has scissors. Mm, Legit. Bring pens and papers because you'll need random notes to take for things and stuff. And make sure you have some way for people to stay in contact with you, whether that's a business card or a QR code they can stand, or at the very least pen and papers to give their details. And if you're in the UK or Europe, think about GDPR and think about how you're taking people's details because having a piece of paper and writing them down that's really could be quite risky. So make sure you know what you're doing with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's okay to 
gather information as long as you've got a purpose for this information and people know why you're gathering that information. It's, it, it's not a lot more complicated than that. Yes, but make sure you, you know what you're doing with you that. Have to keep it safe. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I've seen a lot of people just with a bit of paper on a till that's left on the side that could... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes. well, that's your customer's data and you want that exactly. safe. <laughs> so yeah. boring things like that, I would think about yeah. having to, uh, just a box full of stationery. Uh, and we always had this on the stand. And I always said to all the people that work on our stands, like, here's the box of stationery, all the things. And everyone still always goes, where is this? And I'm like, it is here. Um, and another thing you need to think about is that if you are like me in any way, you are also a human being. And this means you no. need... Jessica, we all know you are an artificial <laughs> construct, clockwork construct. But yeah, this yeah. sounds silly, but I see a lot of people, they go to do a stand on their own for the day and they're just behind the table. But at some point, you're going to need to go to the toilet or you're going to want to eat something or drink something. So make sure you have, you know, food and drink on the stand so you can't go away and have some sort of cover so you can step away for a bit mm-hmm. if you need to. Um, so boring logistical things like that. Um, so there's my kind of setup. Yeah. Uh, an interesting I mean, thing. It is, it is a bit of a. I mean, I, I, as, as you are painfully aware, just get quite sort of stressed with the whole setup and tear down experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not, not my favourite part of a convention. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that I've got you there to step in and let me defume off in a corner somewhere. Well, when, order. When we it's, it's, Captain it's not luck. You literally hired me. You were like, can you do this yeah. stuff? I'll give you yeah, money yeah, for yeah. it. And I was like, yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> so I'm not just, True. I don't yeah. just happen to be wandering through the convention centre. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, just good. Just helping people. Yeah. It's a coincidence that you're good at <laughs> this, this. This small ginger yeah. woman's here oh. to help. Thank goodness. Okay. No. It was a turn of phrase. I know, I was being facetious. Please carry on. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying now. <laughs> you were talking about the setup and tear down is stressful. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I find that especially the setup more so than tear down. I find the setup quite stressful. Mm. When we arrived this year, of course, I mean, might as well tell the story. But we walked into the convention centre yeah. after finding finding the place where we were supposed to park, which yeah. was a pain in, in itself. Yeah, we walk in and this man walked up to me and just basically shouted, "Hi, Viz!" right in my face. It was really weird, really aggressive, Rude, and then yeah. started shouting about high vis jackets at me. Like, like nobody had mentioned what? this to me at all Why at any point to... in the process. But um, did someone have a forklift going around or something? Well, apparently, uh, it's a construction zone, and it is. In fairness, uh, it is okay. a construction right. zone because people are. If you go to a convention centre, you'll know high up there are these like hanging signs. So there are people oh, okay. there building that. There's stuff going up. People sometimes are building shell schemes, and you know those those frames that you see. People mm. are constructing oh, yeah. it. There are people there yeah. putting electrics in at the floor to go in different places. Yeah. It is anyway, we had a to, construction zone. We had to we had to go off and buy some high beast jackets before they let us in. Yeah. So we had, we had one oh, wow. we had one with us. So I just went in. I went into control mode because I could see the in Venice the staff member who stopped us. Uh, they weren't a UK Games Expo staff member, just to be clear. Um, oh. They I think they were very stressed and I'd had this conversation oh. with a lot of people and had arguments back. So. They brought some energy that, yeah, wasn't necessary. So I yeah. kind of stepped in and was like, okay, let's calm this down. Uh, mm. And I just, it was fine. There was a place like down the road where you could buy them. So I went and bought some and we came in and it was all fine. But wow. it's easy when people are stressed and there's a lot going on for like tensions to get high and people to yell and do something like that. Like the oh. way that person spoke to you kind of wasn't appropriate and is like mm. not needed. 
But I think it happened because they probably had this conversation with like 10 people and had people yelling at them all day. And they're probably being paid minimum wage to stand at a door and tell people to do that. So, Mm. yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, that that happened. Mm -hmm. So eventually we got in after having purchased a Heidi's vest and uh, went in, started setting Mm -hmm. up. Um, That that kind of went quite smoothly, didn't it? That went okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're setting mm -hmm. up, you're putting up the posters uh, do you have thoughts on tables versus bookcases versus books? You know, we don't because no. we changed our minds more than once during the actual show and tried right. different things. And we're still struggling with this whole layout mm-hmm. thing. I think we kind of got close to it by the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. I think a better comp- one thing to think of is you don't you want people to be able to approach the stand and have a browse yeah. without feeling like they're committing to anything. And yeah. if you think mm-hmm. about your if you think about a square and your tables is like in a u shape if people have to step into your booth to have a look at stuff they're probably not likely to do that because psychologically it feels like a commitment to buy something and browse and there's like maybe a team member staring at you which can be kind of outnumbered by by team members on the booth as you walk up especially Mm. if it's an empty booth apart from like four people in black t-shirts with logos on them Mm. i know if i'm wandering a convention Mm. and i'm interested in something and i want to go and have a look but I don't necessarily want to be swooped on with a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Yes. I will think twice before approaching that booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll be worried about that happening. Yeah. And oh, yeah. If, I, if, I, if I feel like that, I imagine other people probably feel like that too. Yeah. So hard, I, hard sell's absolutely worst way to try and do anything. I mean, an, a really easy way to do that layout is just to invert the U, like I said. So all the tables are on the outside of the stand, so they don't have to step in your stand space so they can have a look when they're passing and kind of stand no, there, the walk around yeah. the outside so it feels like less of a commitment to buying something hmm. and think about what your products are because as well because we were selling a lot of level up advanced fifth edition books which are like 50 pound a book it's not really an mm. impulse buy for many people True. i know if i'm spending 50 pounds on a rpg book it's something i'll think about and a lot of people that bought books are people that have kind of heard about it before and came along yeah. were like oh i've kind of heard about it can you talk me through it and then we talk through and they're like oh yeah okay so this is something they'd kind of planned in advance to come to um whereas if you're selling impulse products like maybe if you're selling rpg accessories or your games are like between five and ten pounds you're gonna get a lot yeah, a lot of five pound indie rpgs you oh, yeah. and i imagine they sell like yeah and a lot of people mm. probably be like oh i'll give it a try because if i don't like it i've spent five pounds whereas if you're gonna spend 50 pounds mm. or something then maybe you think a little bit more about mm. it and to be fair when a game like level up you're not spending 50 really you're spending oh for your game the core set yeah yeah uh, until yeah. we get the starter box set coming out. The starter set, which... yes, what a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so which will be coming out later. We should talk about more. But yeah, so think yeah. about kind of your products and how you lay it at the store, but make it so that introverts mm-hmm. aren't afraid to come and stand at your, yes. come to your stand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And another thing we had was we wanted to have something to do on the stand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year we had a, a board game, the card game Split the Horde, that we were demoing. Um, yeah. This is all to make the stand more interactive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So people could come and, and sit and play a game. Um, hmm. We also had a table. We had the option where people could come and build their character for the game and stuff. Yeah. I didn't think that worked as well on the stand because it was a bit noisy. I, I don't think it worked at all. That's why we stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. The um, um, because we... If you come well, with a example, friend, then you're trying to do character creation for maybe one to three people while their friends stand yeah. there and glare at you. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah. I, tricky. I, I think it was... A, good idea in principle i just yeah. don't think it worked in that environment in practice 
Yeah. Because um, I, I found that sort of three people would come along. I'd start making level up characters with them. Mm. It would take mm. like 45 minutes to do all three of them, mm. 15 minutes each. Right? That's quick. And you're trying to yeah. and you're trying to divide your time between all three so someone's not standing there watching for 15 minutes mm. or anything. And it just didn't really work in that environment, particularly, no. I don't think. Noisy, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. You need multiple copies of the book open. Mm. So, yeah, yeah so th- I think it's good to have an activity or something to do on your stand in some way. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, did I mention that I am now officially an influencer? Really? Yes, you did to me. I influenced someone into buying something. Not did deliberately, you? but I did. So, remember last week we yeah. talked on the podcast about Flick Fleet? The game that I saw that I quite liked. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't buy myself, to be fair. But, That's the one but, where you were, like, flicking little D10s the You flick the spaceships at other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yes, one of our listeners went and bought it. Oh, well. Based, based on what I'd said. So I officially influenced somebody. And was it good? Um, I don't know yet. Um, okay. They have posted pictures of it. I don't know whether they've played it yet, but said they will let us know. Okay. Well, well. So, you know, this will influence your influencing mm-hmm. reputation. Yeah. Yes, I've influenced one person. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> anyway, uh, keeping us on topic about publishers at conventions, yeah. tips and things. So yes. We kind of talked about setup and things to pack and bring yeah. with you. We've, we're, yeah. we're, are we done talking about during the event, like our tips and tricks for that, that we just talked mm. about? Um, stands. And, and we're, we're still on the fence about how best to display products. I mean, it so depends on what your products are. I yeah. think there might be one little bit of etiquette that I might raise. Okay. Yeah. Because it's one I try to be aware of. Yeah. Is that if you are at somebody's stand, talking to them socially, or you've come to say hello, mm. it's important to be aware that that person is currently working, mm. and there may be customers coming and going while you're talking to them. So yeah. try and keep it to a minimum. Or, if possible, don't talk to someone for forty-five minutes while they lose ten sales. You know, yeah. um, or, or uh, be understanding if they have to like nip away to talk to. Or the if they have to just say, "Look, sorry, I've got to." Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. they are literally at their job. I mean, it's the weekend; everyone's having fun. And but this is a leisure environment. But they are actually working. They're working, and yeah, I would yeah. say that's true as well. For if you're coming to pitch to a publisher, so say like you're an artist yes. or an editor or a writer and there's a company there that you really like that you thought I'll go over and say hi and and let them know who I am mm. that's a great thing to do absolutely do that but tell them that's what you're doing when you get there because I think yeah up front yeah. yeah don't let them spend 10 minutes trying to sell you something and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then reveal that you're an artist trying to hand over your yeah, yeah. yeah. and also you can be really brief about it be like hey I really like your work and I just wanted to say hi I do this mm. here's my card here's my details um, yeah yeah and yeah, then yeah, try and get to the yeah, point. Yeah, get to the point, yeah. make it quick, get their card, and then follow up the next week with a digital version of your portfolio. Because that's a yeah. really nice thing to do. I think, I think in that whole arena, it's just kind of like different people have different ways of doing business, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's that's fine. I mean, we dealt with people from China mm. who have a oh. very different way of doing business to the way I'm yeah. used yeah. to. And yep. you know, I, I I struggled a little bit with how to how to manage that mm-hmm. because um uh and then we have like artists coming up or we have people coming up and it's their first time ever talking to a publisher or you get Ooh. people who do the rounds and they talk to lots <laughs> of you know so mm. you get lots and lots of different types of people mm. so i would just kind of say just try and keep it to the point if you can mm-hmm. it's yeah. probably my best advice if you're if you're planning on approaching a publisher on a sort of business mm-hmm. front yeah yeah okay and then tear down oh mm. um like because there's gonna be some waste to be disposed of and 
if you don't sell out, you might have some stock left over. That's going to be yeah. I mean, I mean, what we do, and I assume most publishers do, but I don't know if all. So obviously, we get um, our fulfilment handled by a company mm-hmm. here yep. in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and they bring our stock to the convention and take it away. So all we have to do is leave the boxes of stock oh, on the stand at the end yeah. and they'll come and pick it up, nice. put it on a pallet Which and take it away. Which is such back to, a privilege because before, we have some conventions we do that don't do that and we have to carry wow. them. Yeah, drag them Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, oh no, they did the they did that one. Sorry, but there are some conventions yeah. sometimes where you have to yeah. carry, and carrying boxes of books is really heavy. <laughs> so if, even yeah, if you're carrying just fun. across the room, um, so one mm. thing I might invest for us is a little sack uh, trolley, like a little... Oh, like a little granny trolley yeah. that you can pull along. Uh, yeah, no, I might invest in one of those, and I'd say that's a good thing to do for setup and teardown, yes. especially for teardown, because at the end of it, you're really tired, you've been on your feet, yes. you've been, your social battery is probably low, because if, if you're like, mine was. If you're like <laughs> me, mine was. if you're an introvert, I do love socialising and seeing people, but it just wears drains my battery. So doing a whole weekend of that where I'm seeing new people, and I'm also at work, so I'm trying to give my, you know, professional, this is me being professional, yeah. imagine what I'm like or not. Yeah. <laughs> it, you're going to be quite tired, so try and make things yeah. as easy as possible for you and have a plan for your teardown. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, just on that sort of introvertness kind of conversation, I think, you know, if you're doing like three days on a stand, mm-hmm. that is for some people, including me and including you, Jess, mm-hmm. taxing really, really hard work yeah. and really hard to maintain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I find it really, really hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you get me for an hour at some point at an event or something, I'm great. Yeah. I, I, you know, I could talk to people, but for three days solid on a stand, it is, it is really hard to do. And some people love it. Like, our friend Al will happily just stand there and talk for three days and yeah. not think twice. <laughs> and that's just how it's built. But we'll leave with know, a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. Happy and excited about how yeah, yeah. interesting it's been. Yeah. But, but it is. In sort of like emotionally hard work, like you think it's physically hard work standing there, being on your feet and doing all this stuff and lugging boxes about, but it's also like mental hard work, just like being on the yeah. whole time. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And giving off energy the whole time, and try try trying to greet people with a smile, mm. uh, and just like just dealing with the having that first conversation with the first time you've ever met someone. Mm. Hey, do that and again, yeah, and again. And again, like a couple hundred mm. times, yeah. It's a lot. But one thing I would I would say as well is when you're, it just came back to me, when you're selling something, and remember, if you're selling your role-playing book or, you know, the thing you've made, you're going to be really passionate and excited about it. And mm. yeah. it's very tempting to talk for a long time with somebody about it. Make sure socially you give people an out at various times because a lot of people are very polite and if you're talking, they'll stand there and listen and they're not really interested. And sometimes it's good to just like give them an out and let them go because then you'll be free to talk to someone else that maybe is interested and wants to, to, to buy your book or talk to you about it, whatever you're doing. So I always try and make sure I give people an out and give them enough space so that they can leave and, and don't feel pestered as well. Yeah, it's hard, it's it's hard, a hard to judge. balance, but there's yeah. certainly times when I went to a stand and I was talked at for longer than I wanted to yes, be. Yes, it's easy oh. to do. Uh, there were times when I went to a stand and I was talked at when I didn't want to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. I've also the times that I wanted to, went to a stand when I wanted to talk and the person didn't seem interested. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it is hard to do. And I'm sure I'm guilty of all three of those things. Yeah. Um, it is hard to do. It's not something that people are necessarily born with the knowledge and ability oh, to no, do. Oh, no, definitely It's something you got to learn. I try and do it. I have, I have a little elevator pitch of, I go up and I say, oh, are you, are you role players? I generally ask what level they are um, so, they, I, so I know how to pitch what we've got here. 
And then I give them, mm. a, I've got about less than a minute's pitch of what it is. And I say, are you familiar with, and yeah. we had level up. And so if they say, mm. yes, I've got the books, then I can be like, great. And then I know where to go. But if they're like, no, I've got a little spiel. And I go, well, these, and we have some books out to browse. I'm like, these are the books to browse. So feel free to flick through and let me know if you have any questions. And yeah, then at yeah, that point, someone will ask a question if they have one, or they just go, thanks, and give me a little smile. And then I know, I will step back. And, and you know that step back. And then right, I'm yeah, yeah. still visible, so they can grab me and ask me questions. But a lot of time, people mm. just want to browse and have a little look and a thing. So generally, that's yeah. my rough guide yeah. pitch. So my, have like a minute to is, describe the thing you have, and then... I think it's a bit similar. So if someone approaches the stand, and they start looking at the books, I'll like stand out of the way, not so I'm like looking at them or looming over them or anything like that, and just wait and see if they start looking around to get someone's attention or see if there's anyone they can talk mm-hmm. to. And if they do that, then I'll wander over. If they don't at all, I'll give them like a minute or two. If they're still looking at the books after a minute or two, yeah. then I'll go over and say, have you got any questions? Mm-hmm. If So basically, if they wanted to come up, glance at the books for one minute and then walk off, I'm probably not going to interact with them because they don't want me to. Absolutely. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do want me to. But my assumption there is that's not what they wanted. Who wouldn't want to chat with you, Russ? Well, of course, I'm charming, witty. And an influencer. And an influencer yeah, of one person. Sorry, that just reminds yeah. me of when you're talking about stand etiquette, just dealing with the public and selling stuff, because there's a whole psychology of selling and sales and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and uh, another last thing I'd say is everyone you work with at the convention or your suppliers and things like that, be try and be, this is what I try and do, be the nicest person they work with, because... At one point in the future, so try and do everything to the policies, try and be agreeable, try and be nice, because at some point you're going to mess something up and need a favour from somebody, something will go wrong. Mm. And if you're that annoying person, it, like if I come along and they're like, oh, here comes Karen, great, um, they're not going to want to help me. But oh, no. I me. had this thing, <laughs> but I had a, a similar section with the UK Games Convention staff. I made a mistake with some of the ticketing booking, like I hadn't booked yeah. enough con- uh, I don't know if I should say it's actually. Oh, well. Anyway, I'm not going to say who it was, but I hadn't booked enough of the exhibitor tickets we needed, and I needed one more. And I went up, I was like, I'm really sorry. This is my fault. I asked for this many. I actually need this many. What can I do? What are my options? They said, oh, don't worry about it. Here's another one. And I think that's because nice. I hadn't been an asshole to them when I came earlier. That <laughs> they um, were like, this is yeah. fine. Uh, and so yeah. generally, like, and also if you're email, emailing people to arrange, we did a live podcast recording and doing things like that. Just try and make someone else's job as easy as possible and be that person that they're like, oh, I don't need to worry or stress about them. Um, mm. That's my general business advice. But people that are running events are generally really stressed, really busy. This is the culmination of their uh-huh. year's work. And a lot of them are volunteers yeah. mm. as well. Um, mm. So, yeah, just try and try and be someone that's really nice to work with. And then they're more likely to give you, offer you opportunities and or help you out when you need it at a convention. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's my advice to publishers. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, and it is hard to do that constantly for three days, as I said. Oh, earlier. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, you, yeah, yeah, but you have to do it. Well, I'm not good at it. You know, I'm not that good at it, but you know, I, I try. Well, that's why you hire me. I fail sometimes, but I try. I'm good at masking. It's fine. Yeah, patience is not my um, strongest thing. Anyway, but, hey. and any any other advice, or is that our general advice to publishers going to a convention? Wow. Um, Don't forget the importance of networking. Yeah. I think the other thing to do is like what what are your expectations at a convention yeah. in terms of sales and as as you just mm-hmm. said, Peter, networking because there are different reasons you go to a convention. Mm-hmm. Now, sort of like being seen is one reason to yeah. go to a convention. Public relations. Yeah. So people get used to seeing you, your products, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, networking, obviously, is another reason to go to a convention, get to know other creators, other businesses who you might need to work with at some point. Um, and they're probably a lot easier than just sending a cold email mm. to someone that you don't really know. Mm. So doing doing that is good. But also, like in terms of sales, yeah. so I can't really speak for like conventions as a whole but um i i have heard like uk publishers saying for example going to gen con yeah is not something you're likely to make money out of mm-hmm. mm. your goal might be to try and break even because it's going to cost you a lot to go fly yeah. from the uk to gen con take your staff with you ship your stock mm. accommodation you know everything it's going to cost a lot and you have to sell a hell of a lot just to just to break even oh absolutely so so that is something that you've got to consider are you hoping to make a profit at a convention? Because we generally don't go there with the expectation of making a ton of money. No. Okay. We generally think, let's try and break even. Yeah. The goal is to get our stuff out there, be seen, network, um, maybe get some lifelong customers, you know, stuff like that. But we don't <laughs> expect to walk home with tons and tons and tons of no. money in all our stock. No, no it does yeah. happen for some companies yeah. with a big release or and whatever. That's great. I mean, I know Chaosium sold out mm-hmm. and that's wonderful and i know when pathfinder appears at a, a convention with a new book that gets big cues on the corner and they sell yeah. out and stuff, that's great but i don't think that should necessarily be your expectation no unless you really do have a big presence and a big name mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like for us we generally think let's try and break even if we do better than that good that's that's a bonus yeah. and that's mm. definitely true for the bigger events like you can get mm. like gen con there's a lot of smaller events though where it is possible to make a profit on going though Dra- 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 we do. yeah like those Dra- smaller do. kind of indie conventions i think it's easier to do that that there because uh, yeah. your audience is more focused i think mm. so um yeah but it's also you got to think about external things because we had a really weird experience with the different days <laughs> yeah like yeah. just taking the friday and the saturday and we don't know whether the train strikes factored into this or other things factored into this or the, or the fact that we changed our stand layout on the second day. Or there's a lot of reasons this might have happened. But basically, the Friday, I won't say any actual numbers, but the Friday was the worst convention day we ever yes. had anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, including In terms of sales. Yeah. In terms of sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raw numbers. The Saturday was the best convention day we've ever had. At any yeah. convention. Anywhere. Normally, it's okay. a bit more flat, but this was it's a complete yeah, yeah. spike. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, you know, it's really hard to predict what is going to happen there. You know, on the Friday, you know, we were a bit worried. Yeah, I thought, oh no, I've done this whole thing wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But the Saturday, it all just changed. So, you know, I think our stand layout was, is a a skill we're learning. Um, And I think that was a lot to do with it. But, you know, you live and you learn. But if you want to check out us at conventions this year, Level Up is going to be at Origins Game Fair at the end of this month. So we have a stand there. And also, uh, we're going to be at Dragon Meet this year. And when I say we, hmm. specifically me. <laughs> so anyway. that's all we have to say at conventions. Hopefully see you at one in the upcoming years. Yeah, well, the next one we're going to be at is Dragon Meet. So. Fantastic. So, yeah. See you there. And we will catch everyone next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, You can support the show on Patreon.
In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Sorry, I thought we were ending, so I did a flourish. <laughs> right, anyway, where were we? It was a great flourish. I loved that. After yeah. a short dance break. It's such a shame this isn't recorded. I hope it's recorded. Well, this podcast. No, I mean the the, the video oh, of us dancing. Oh, yeah. Imagine I'm not recording it. I thought we just met up as friends to hang out every Friday. I thought we just did this for fun every week. Yeah, yeah. I thought this I was just, just us chatting. Other, uh, to- told each other the news. This is online? Yeah. No. Oh, good. Because I say some awful stuff. <laughs> yeah.